0: We are blessed here at CLC with so much talent, so many individuals that give of themselves and give beyond measure. And none give any more and work any harder and strive so very much for excellence as this young man that is about to come and speak to us tonight. I appreciate his spirit, his love for truth. His love for young people, his call to ministry speaks for itself. A few weeks ago, as we met with all of our youth staff, or our, uh, with all of our CLC staff and leaders and volunteers, and held our annual leadership advance, as different ones were speaking, as Brother Brandon Newcomer stepped forward and began to speak, his heart and his passion became so evident as he began to speak to the leaders that were in that room and share his passion and his heart for what this upcoming year is going to hold. I believe that we are about to see one of the greatest revivals among young people we have ever witnessed in the church. God is setting things up. And I'm excited about it. I want to step aside tonight and ask you: would you welcome Brother Brandon Newcomers? He comes to deliver his heart and the word of the Lord tonight. Make him feel real welcome. We love you. All
1: right. I don't know what to do with that. That's enough of that. I am so honored, so thrilled to be here tonight. I know that. the service, we could go home right now and have said that we've had church. So my goal is not to keep you an hour. Amen. Is that it? Amen. <laughs> I can try. <laughs> but anyway, I am so honored and pastor, I such kind words. I, I I am so blessed to be a part of this church with you guys. I'm so blessed to be able to work with young people in a time that I feel is the, the closest to the coming of Christ. They didn't pick Lee Stone King to be a teenager in the last days. They didn't pick G.A. Mangan or, or J.T. Pugh or, or go down a list or whatever their initials are and all their names. They didn't pick them to be a young person in the last days. They picked our young people. And so tonight when I preach, I, I I just want to um, I want to share what I feel God has laid on my heart. So as you're standing, we'll get right into the word. And I promise not, I'm going to try my best not to take too long. Is that all right? Exodus 30, verses 18 through 20, it says, Thou shalt also make a laver of brass, and his foot also of brass, and wash withal. And thou shalt put it between the tabernacle of the congregation and the altar, and thou, sh- and thou shalt put water therein. For Aaron and his sons shall wash their hands and their feet thereat. When they go into the tabernacle of the congregation, they shall wash with water, that they die not. Or when they come near to the altar to minister, to burn offering made by fire unto the Lord. I want to read one more verse in Exodus 38 and 8. It says, and he made the laver of brass and the foot of it of brass, of the looking glasses of the women assembling, which assembled at the door of the tabernacle of the congregation. Tonight I want to preach a simple message. It'll just have three points to it, so I'll let you know when we're getting close. You can just count on it. The points aren't going to be long. I'm don't. I don't, I'm not that smart. I can't belabor a point for a half an hour. But it's simply titled, What's in the Mirror? I want to say this real quick about this week. This is Youth Week. This starts it off. This is what we feel God has directed us to focus on in our walks with Him in all areas of life. So we are simply calling this week the Week of Focus. We're going to have different things that uh, we tune into that are vital, essential parts of every young person and every adult's life, uh, whether it be in relationship or, again, what I, what I talk about tonight. But I really feel tonight's message, about two months ago, God, uh, it doesn't happen often. I really have to think hard and, and read a lot and pray a lot to get a message. But for the Lord to really speak to me a few months ago, I feel like uh, tonight is the night that he wants me to preach what he has given me. So, Would you please pray with me that there is less of me and more of him tonight? Lord, we thank you for what you've given us. God, I thank you for the opportunity to come and to preach your word. What an honor, Jesus. You are so marvelous and so miraculous, God. I truly ask that you show up and show out tonight, God. Have your way in this service, Lord. Have your way in me, God, I pray. Anoint my lips and my tongue. Let me to speak with clarity and with understanding, Lord. And have your way in these people, God, that are hungry for you. Lord, I pray you reign freely tonight in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. In the early existence of our world and truly of when God began to have a people, the Lord gave the children of Israel the tabernacle. And he said that it was made after the pattern which he showed Moses. I won't get into all the deepness of it, but when you translate the word pattern, it means model. And when you can read several verses, you can come to the conclusion that God has this already put together. And he showed Moses the model and said, make it like this. And so people believe, and I believe as well, that there is this example. And an exact replica is what we deal with, but truly the originals are still in heaven today. And so the focus I want to draw tonight is our attention is to, first, again, three points, just hang with me. First, the laver of water. The scripture said it was made from looking glasses, and it was never given a specific size. Everything else in the tabernacle had cubits. It had marks, it had measurements, it had everything. But this laver, laver, however you want to pronounce it, had no measurement. It had one requirement. Make it from the looking glasses. And so tonight, I want us to focus on truly what is in the mirror. When you dissect what the tabernacle could mean to you, and there are ways to pray through it, and that's kind of where I'm basing what I'm talking about with the labor of water tonight. Truly, this looking glass represents a way that we can see ourselves. It's a way that we can look through ourselves. Uh, After they would repent, and after they would kill an animal, they would be bloody, the priest would, and they would have to go to this laver of water. They'd have to wash their hands, and the Bible says they wash their feet. And everything they sacrificed, I mean, just a gruesome scene. When they'd slit the animal's throat, let the blood drain out, when they would take it and burn it all, all. It wasn't a barbecue. You don't pull it off when it's perfect. You burn it. That's nasty. You want to take it off before it's burnt, but that wasn't the point. It was to be something that was not good. It was to be looked at as you are giving God your sin and you're trying to remove that from your life. And so first thing that we should do in life and daily is to take time to look at our reflection. Yes, repentance matters a lot, but that's not what the mirror's about. That's not what the laver of water was all about. It wasn't a place of repentance that happened at the altar, but it was a place of cleansing. And so the first thing I want to draw our attention to tonight. Is truly, are we cleansed physically, spiritually, and emotionally? You can ask yourself the question every day when you wake up, who is it that stares back at you in the mirror? It's one thing to be dressed and to be all primped and proper, but truly there's something that sits behind the mask that we wear every day. Who is it that's in that mask? And God is truly setting that mirror in front of us that we could find ways to, to look at ourselves and to be cleansed and to grow let me put it like this. When you look in the mirror and I see all your beautiful faces, the first purpose of the mirror is for it to stare at me. It's not to be looked at you. It's to simply just be me. And the purpose for me to look in the mirror is not to see how pretty I look, but to ready myself for this world. It's to be a place where truly if I'm to go out into my mission field and into battle, I don't walk out with the flashlight and my underwear right? There should be some time in putting on the armor of God. This is where I can look at myself and I, I can say, Brandon, there's, there's that part of you that has pride. And, and when I look deep enough, I can see the, the, the different things, the lust or the, the jealousy. I can see those things, the deceit or the anger and the bitterness. And you can begin to look at that mirror because the mirror represents the word of God. And so when we get deep into the Word, we can see things. This is why it's important we read every day. Young people, read your Bible daily. Nothing can be more precious than reading the Word of God because there are things in life that only God's going to allow you to fix that nobody else can. Your parents or your children cannot fix the things in your life. Some people run to marriage or they'll run to more children or they'll run to the next thing to fix the current problem when they really should be looking through the glass of God. They should be looking at the looking glass, the mirrors to say, God, what are you showing me? When it says, here's an example, Paul purposely said, I've got a thorn in my flesh. I prayed three times that God would remove it. And the Bible says that Satan buffeted to him. So Satan gave him this thorn. But God allowed it to stay to make sure that he was in a proper place. It takes time. We've got to understand that, no, God doesn't cause everything that happens in our lives. But if you're not spending the time in the ward, you're going to blame God for it. Instead of giving him honor and glory. We desire so much for God to take us out of circumstance instead of through. Right? Right? We want to be pulled out instead of for God to allow us to go through. And so the first thing we've got to do is is beyond anything else is stare at ourselves through the looking glass of God. The Word of God will show us things because we can go through repentance or soul winning and you can walk your way through the tabernacle and and see the representation of everything and it all had sizes but the laver of water. In other words, in your life, the Word of God truly cannot be measured. It's up to you to grow it. We know that repentance is full. They said all the other uh, uh, furniture in the tabernacle could be stored in, in repentance. So that is absolutely important. But then you've got to come to a place where God can wash you. Daily God can cleanse you. It's essential in our lives. Here's what they say about blood. In life, blood speaks of life that's taken. While water speaks of life that's given. So in my opinion, and to wrap all that up, if you want life... In your life, it requires some water and a looking glass. That's the only thing that takes us to where we need to be in God. It requires us to be washed by his word daily. It requires a focus on us first so that we can never be effective to anyone else in our lives. We've got to see ourselves for who we are. All of your faults. Don't think that I'm perfect standing up here. As much as this church wants to be perfect and our pastor looks perfect and he's a spiritual man, there are flaws in all of us. We're still flesh. But what keeps him above me and and spiritually as as a mentor and as a, a leader in my life and as a shepherd is the fact that he'll stare in the mirror daily. I don't question it. I know that my pastor, and so with that, I've got to do the same. It says, uh, Paul was talking about it, he said, Therefore, most gladly, I would rather boast in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. My strength is made perfect in weakness. And he also said, My grace is sufficient for you when talking about how God responded to the thorn in the flesh. So when we take time to understand why we're going through the test, the truth is God just wants to bring us through. It's our only hope for righteousness. The Bible talks about righteousness. It's as filthy rags. Uh, We don't have holiness. We desire these things. We long for them. But truly, when we can find ourselves looking truly who we are, when there's a humbling and a repentance and 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 a moment to say, God, grow me. Change me. The first thing that this mirror must face is us. That's what we've got to look at every day. We're focusing on things this week, so let the first focus to our youth and to our church be on us. But now it's time for number two. When you focus on the mirror, and when you say that this is who I'm going to be, and you begin to become a reflection of something, then truly the mirror must change the way it's facing. Instead of it being looking at you, you've got to turn the mirror, and you've got to say, okay, now the mirror is going to face God. Now, the purpose of this is that you're a reflection of Christ. In everything you do, you've got to be a reflection to our world. The Bible says that you are the soul of the earth. It says that you are, a, uh, you are the light of the world, a city set on a hill that cannot be hid. Neither do men put a candle under a bushel, but on a candlestick and give it light unto all that are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. The second thing we must do, the second mirror in our lives, must be one that reflects Christ to man. There needs to be a point in our life where there's something different. We always can say, and we've had it said to us, those that live as best they can and holy, I don't realize what I do at work, but when I go to work, my my coworkers will say, there comes Smiling Brandon. I'm ticked. I don't want to be there. It's work, and I work hard, and you bums are just walking around. It's work, but through all of it, they're like, there's Smiling Brandon, and I don't get it. They say there's something different. I brought coworkers, and with all of it, I started to realize I am a reflection of Christ. I want to take you in my life just a couple times tonight, and my parents are here. Bless, bless them and bless God for them. Amen. <laughs> because I might embarrass them, but I just want to show you my childhood for just a moment. When we were children, me and my brother, my brother and I, whatever, he was three years older than me, and my mom was leading a, a children's choir. There was about 60 of us. We met in this Room, I, you know, looking back, even the smell, I think it had mold. I just remember that when I smell mold houses. It, it was just a horrible room, a place where it was just felt, it was a great church. But it was a desolate room. <laughs> and in that room, my mother would come up to me every day. And some people have this where they have a high S in their voice. They sizzle when they talk to you. And, and there's nothing wrong with you. But with me, I can't handle it. Because my mother has this high sizzle. It's that S. Just If it's the name Jesus, it carries on for days. <laughs> I'm sorry. You'll have to forgive me. But every week, she'd walk up to me, and she'd lean over. She'd go, now, Brandon. Brandon, you, you've got to go befriend that, that boy right there. He's, this is his first time. I'm like, what's befriend? <laughs> I don't know what this word means. Go be friends with him. Go, go talk to him. And I'd get up, and I'm like, oh. He's picking his nose. Go get over there. I'm like, Ma, those are Coke bottles. They're glasses. Get over there. There was a constant pushing. Go talk to him. Be frank, because in 60 kids, no other parents were telling their kids, go talk to the dork. Go talk to the one that was on the outside. And there was my mother pushing me. What was she pushing me to do? She was pushing me to reflect Christ every day. She was pushing me that we want them to come back. We want them to feel loved. That way when they go home, they can say that church had something special. That church loved me the way that I can never be loved. That's why we've got to be a reflection of Christ. I'll never forget it. I'll never forget it. It still haunts me today. Again, with that S, just... It's like every word had an S on it for some reason. I could remember, just bear, bear with me, I'm sorry if I'm a little humorous, bear with me, but there were times where my mom in, in church, she'd just whisper, she'd stop it, just that, that intense, stop it, and she'd just, it, but it wasn't to me, it was to Jeremy, but you could hear it straight through. It was that intense, but I'll never forget. <laughs> I'm losing them, Pastor, I don't know what to do. But she taught me to always go up and show Christ. There is nothing more important in our lives. I know we, we call it different things, soul winning, street evangelism, all this other stuff. But truly, there's nothing like showing Christ in your life. Your co-workers watch you daily. Your school classmates, I know I'm supposed to be talking to you guys, forgive me. But truly, the world looks at us daily. Some waiting for us to mess up. My, my boss keeps saying, I'm going to get you to cuss one day. And I said, I'm going to get you to church. And we'll see who wins. And I invited him to tonight. And so it's just a matter of time. They know there's something different. They can understand. And they know when, when you'll take a turn for the worse, they can see when all of a sudden the reflection stops. They can see when in your life there's nothing else that matters. We are to be that city on a hill. We're watched constantly. And people monitor your mistakes Let that go, but don't ever forget we are to be a reflection of Christ. And finally, finally, we are to point the mirror. Even though it takes on the same angle, even though it doesn't move a whole lot, the reflection slightly changes. This is probably the one that I might get a little emotional on because it touches me so much. We're to be, in the eyes of Christ, one that shows people. In other words, we are to reflect to Christ souls. When we have Christ look at us, it's to be a reflection of people. Some of you have loved ones that you would die to see back in church. I've heard it even said, I I know I reference my mom a lot, but there are times where she said, if something has to happen to me for somebody else to get saved, so be it. That's a cry to Christ. God, when you look at me, you better see that that's that's Brandon's son or Brandon's mom that's that's Jeremy's mom and and it needs to be a different name i'm no longer jackie i'm no longer mom but i become their mom they're the important things there should be that point in our life where reflection changes and, and again some of you all of us are at different points in life this should be all something we do daily is reflect uh, uh the word to ourselves and to be cleansed and to to show the light of god to people and then to get to this point but truly sometimes it makes you wonder maybe it's just one thing God wants to work on me with. When I look at Jonah, it's a prime example of what not to do. He purposely ignored God's warning. And is war- uh, to warn Nineveh to tell them, I'm going to, sh- to destroy them. He purposely got up and left out of the will of God. We know the story. He was in a ship. They cast him out. They didn't even want to. And they said, we've got no choice but to throw Jonah out. And the Bible says a great fish swallowed him. For three days, Jonah's sitting in there pleading with God. I'll, I'll get it right. I'll, I'm sorry. I will do what you want to do. And the Bible says that he was vomited out. It's nasty. It's nasty. It's beyond a point of just, God, God got me out of this, no problem. No, you then had to wash. You had to deal with what you, you went through and what life was. And so the Bible says that Jonah went to Nineveh and told them, God's going to destroy you in 40 days. And they repented. The Bible says that the king called a fast and they changed all their clothes to sackcloth. The Bible says even the beast had sackcloth on them. I don't know why you had to robe a beast, but they put it on everyone that we are going to repent We are going to change who we are. And you know what Jonah did? He got mad. He was mad that God, because God's response was, I'll forgive them. And Jonah's response to God was, I knew you'd do this. I knew you'd you'd have too much grace and mercy and you're slow to anger. This is why I didn't even want to come here. There's no point because you're not going to do what you said you'd do. Can you imagine? Nineveh was 120,000 people strong. And Jonah, the man that was barfed up by a fish, preached to them, and God spared the city. It's unbelievable. And then Jonah's response is, I I don't know why you didn't do this to begin with. And he just had no compassion for the people. So the Bible says that Jonah went out to the edge of the city, and he just sat there and waited and God said, okay, fine, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bless, they call it a gourd, a, a bush or a, a tree of sorts that grew up in one day and gave shade to Jonah. And Jonah was so exceedingly happy in saying, thank you, God, I needed that. And over the night, uh, God said he put a worm inside the tree. The next day when the sun rose up, the tree, tree had withered. And the Bible says that God purposely caused the, the hot sun to beat on him and some eastwardly wind that was just wreaking havoc on Jonah. It said he almost fainted. And Jonah was mad again. And then God asked a question. This is one of the only only books of the Bible that ends in a question. It drives me nuts. That's not not the end. We're supposed to have finalization. It goes right into Micah after this question. But God begins to ask the, the soul of Jonah. He's just not understanding he goes how is it that you care so much about something you didn't plant something you didn't grow you didn't water and i killed it in a day why do you care why is your attitude able to change over that but when it comes to people you will not show compassion what matters to god and what causes him to change the course in history and someone's life is when people reflect compassion over a soul Some of you are here tonight because of compassion shown to God for your life. I have no doubt the reason I'm in ministry today is praying parents. My mom and my dad prayed for me every day, every night. And I I feel like this last mirror, this last reflection of who we are is to simply be a compassionate people. I know that there are lost ones. Some people call them MIA or missing in action or or, or whatever, prisoners of war of this this world. They'll call them things in other churches. But truly, there are loved ones, even in my family, that you pray for for years. God, change their life. God, let them draw close to you. Let them see the purpose of church and coming and serving God and worshiping. Let them see the purpose of getting baptized and getting the Holy Ghost. It's kind of funny. We almost did walk through the tabernacle. We started at the laver of water, and we washed ourselves. And, you know, when you reflect on yourself, there's a washing of yourself. And then when you walk in, there's more furniture there. There's the candlesticks along with the showbread. There's fellowship, and there is that reflection of Christ to people. There's the fact that you are the light of the tabernacle. You're, you're to have that soul-winning uh, uh, mentality about you, about people, and showing who God is. But now we're walking up to that altar of incense. And on that altar, the Bible specifically said when they built that altar, never to burn a strange fragrance. It was frankincense and myrrh which represented worship as well as bitterness and pain. You see, sometimes it's not pretty to reflect to God the people we care about. It's not a pretty thing to understand intercession sometimes because there is that moaning, that desire God Please save my family. As the music comes, I won't go any further, but I want to close with this. I want to take you to another spot of my childhood. This is probably the biggest point of my life. This is what meant the most to me growing up. There were parts where we would sit on the couch every night. You have to excuse me for being too close to everything. But we would sit down on the couch and we didn't have TV. We just watched Matlocks and Magnum PIs, we, we had video recorded television, <laughs> and that's what we lived with. But there was such a desire to not have TV in our home, and it saved us. It saved us from being able to flip to a thousand different channels and watch whatever when mom and dad weren't around. I thank God for the fences put up in my life. And we would sit on that couch, and we didn't know if we were broke or rich, we didn't really care, we just knew what certain times of the day were. And we'd sat in a double wide, we grew up in one. It was cozy. We, we changed the carpet. It was amazing. It was a great house. And when we were in that double-wide living for like 12 years, it, again, it was it was a landmark in our home. It wasn't anything that we worried about. I'll never forget the couch. And we had dad's chair and mom's chair. And, and there was the air conditioner that sat in the window that took all three of us men to put in, or two boys and a man. And uh, we thought we were men. And when we would sit there, at a certain time, my dad would say, all right, shut off the TV and... The TV was on this side and the fireplace was on this side and we'd shut it off and he'd say, it's time for prayer. Just Bear with me. And so there we were. We'd turn around on a blue couch that just lived with our family. Value City Special. But I'll never forget it. I'll never forget the seats and, and the way that they just, they they lived in our lives. We turned around in our seats and there was my mom. She'd pray for family and and, I, and we'd sit and listen because we didn't, want to, we didn't want any part of that. We didn't want to pray. We just wanted to go to bed or watch TV, one of the two. Don't, don't add this third step. And my mom would sit and she'd begin to pray. And she'd pray for her family. God, please touch my mom and my dad. They've got diabetes, Lord. I pray that you heal them. Let my father walk better, Lord. Touch my coworkers and touch D and touch this person and that person. And you'll see such a, 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 a compassion truly from my mother. She would care for people, if you'll ever see her, even in church, she'll find the one that most people probably don't talk to. You might see some people avoid, and I'm not talking about anyone in here, nothing like that, but there are times where she will find the one that nobody else even knows, and she'll she'll just befriend them, and she'll show Christ to them. And so we would kneel down at that couch, and we'd just sit there, and we'd listen, and this is where my father's voice It rings true still today. We would sit there and he'd say, God, touch my mom and dad. Lord, let them see truth before they die or before you come. Would you please save their souls? God, save them. And he'd go down the list, a large family, but the names ring so true. Touch Ryan and Nikki, Touch Deb, Tanya, and Craig, Lord, their children. I pray that you would save them, Lord. I pray that you take cigarettes out of their life, God. You know the addictions, Lord. You see the issues, God. Heal their marriage. Heal their land, and then he'd move on, God. Touch Sue and Doug. And, and touch their children, Jenny and Jessica. Lord, I pray that you be with them, Lord. Let them see truth. And he'd continue on. Touch Uncle Tracy and Dolores. I'll stop there. We keep praying for Uncle Tracy. You don't know what it was like when we were in that hospital. When we walked in the room with authority, with all power, we walked in there and we prayed. That man began to move against his chains. He began to shake his feet. After we left, they got everyone out of the room, and they said the brain activity is way too much. We didn't go in there shouting, but there was a power of God. I thank God for that. And I'd sit there and you'd hear him shout out with every every cry within him: Touch Tracy and Dolores, touch their children, God, touch Gary and Andrea. And he'd get down to the youngest brother, touch Dale, touch Phyllis, Lord, touch their boys, Dust and Zach and Brad. And he'd go through all the names every night. Let truth be in their lives. God, save my family. And so tonight, I simply close with that. If you'd stand with me. Maybe you need to reflect on your mirrors in your life and what you are. Maybe in your life, you need to just pick one and say, God, wash me with your word. You see, the word is spoken and written. That means when our pastor preaches to us, that word needs to pierce us as much as the Bible does. There's nothing like hearing the word of God from our pastor. So whether it is the word of God that needs to pierce you, even like tonight, or maybe you say, God, I want to be a soul winner, Lord, I pray, show me souls. God, when I go to work, let somebody's life be changed in this city or in this region because you were shown in my life lord i want to be perfect and right through you or is it truly the third thing that you find yourself longing for jesus we know you're coming quickly would you save my children you see my dad taught me that so well that when i go to bed at night i lean down with my baby girl and soon to be my baby boy as well i I pray with him also but with her she understands and we sit there and we say god would you please protect and touch Mimi and Paul, Paul and Nana and Poppy? Would you have your hand upon Uncle Jeremy and Aunt Kelly? Touch Sid and Simon. God, have your hand upon our family, and would you please protect us tonight as we go about our days? We pray in Jesus' name, and then out comes this four-year-old little voice. Amen. Oh, is it too late for you and your family to start prayer at home? Is it too late for our families to say that we still buy into reading the Word of God together? Some of you are well-versed. I know even Chad Marsh, I don't think he's here tonight, but knows the entire book of Romans. Some of you have spent the time studying, but truthfully in our lives, we lack the time of reflecting on who God wants us to be. So with every head bowed and every eye closed, Parents, you might want to grab your children tonight when these altars are open. You might want to say, tonight we're going to change things. We're going to start praying as a family because it it affected me. I don't have the story where I was hooked on drugs or this, that, and the other. God spared me because of praying parents. God protected me because of a family that was united in Him. And when we walk into prayer rooms, things change. When we walk into hospital rooms, disease leaves. All of heaven and hell stands at attention, waiting for the call of His name. So tonight I challenge you. I challenge you to reach deep in your life. What is it that you're needing from God? What are you lacking? Our pastor preached a marvelous message last night. It was on the treasure of the house. And I felt like, wow, the word of God, he's he's talking about my first mirror. Just again, eyes closed for just a second. But it began to get extremely moving in my spirit and in my soul when he began to talk about the fact that Josiah didn't even know what they were missing. It just felt like something was missing. So tonight, maybe you don't know why your life feels empty. Maybe you don't know why the Word of God matters so much or praying or speaking in tongues. Maybe you just know something's missing. So tonight, as these altars are open, why don't you come and find God and ask Him, Lord, would you please fill the void? Lord, would you teach me to focus on my life? Amen. I ask you to move out in your seat and come and pray. Let's find a place to pray tonight and let's worship God together.